Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have done it again. You've come back for another Tech Doctor podcast where we have the three tech doctors gathered again. This evening, we're going to primarily be discussing Braille. But before we get into Braille, we want to do a brief update on what's happened with each of us since we last podcasted. So, Allison, why don't you kick us off and let us know how you are and what's going on in Allison world? Absolutely. Well, we're continuing to do safe and well here in Ohio, thank goodness. Uh, Just trying to to hunker down and and be as safe as we can. But not surprisingly to anyone, I do have some new technology that I've been playing with. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I know it's blasphemy. I'm sorry. I've been playing with a Surface Pro, and I and I like it. It's a cute little machine. Um, but back to Apple Tech, I have been playing with an iPhone SE. Now, those of you who know me and have known me for a while know that I have been in search for a really long time for that perfect Apple entertainment device that will allow me to have interruption-free entertainment, whether I'm reading or watching TV or something, while still having good portability and battery life. So my 12 Pro Max has actually become that device. And of course, I'll still be using that to uh to test you know lidar as it as it becomes more uh, relevant to those of us who are blind but for my daily driver phone for twitter for browsing for phone calls you know because the the iphone can do those we often forget (laughs) for email etc i've been using an iphone se 2020 and i love it oh it's so adorable i am finding that i need to charge it quite a bit so i am probably gonna actually invest in an iphone 7 battery case since i'm not using it for a lot of my um, other activities like reading and, and and TV watching and stuff, I find that I get a good day's use out of it, even with doing things like tweeting. So I'm I'm pulling a Hillary Clinton. I'm having to lug around a couple a couple of uh, of cell phones right now, but I'm finding that for me, it's making it really nice and worth it because I have kind of that same experience that I had with my iPad, where I could just kind of tune out everything else and and get into whatever it is I'm reading or watching, but with the port with still maintaining that portability so I can really carry my entertainment device around with me as well. Well very cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And uh we we can now, after hearing that, easily turn our attention to the king of multiple devices, <laughs> the good tech doctor Woodbridge. David, what's going on in your corner of the world? I don't know why people get shocked by the amount of equipment that I've got. I mean, I've only got three M1s Max sitting on my desk here at the moment. Only. So I just don't know why people just think that, you know, <laughs> one device suffices because I certainly can't get by with one device. But anyway, um, so I've just started to venture into, and if you've been listening to my show on Talking Tech Vision Australia Radio, I've just started getting into video. Well, I'm going to say video podcasting, but it really goes on YouTube, but I'll say video podcasting. And the amount of things I've had to learn and double check and triple check as a blind person trying to do a video podcast is actually been really interesting because I've got to consider things like lighting so natural lighting versus task lighting versus contrast versus uh the brightness of something else in the room hitting the object that i'm going to be demoing on my desk how fast i can move my hands without making the focus jump because the focus will try and focus on what's been active in the the video the height of the actual stand away from the object so I don't get other things being in the video that I don't want, all that sort of stuff. And it's been really fascinating. And what I've ended up doing now is I've actually got a little video set up now on my desk that just stays put. So I've got a like a foam ball that I put the object on. I've got my 
iPhone SE 2020, since I've just got my iPhone iPhone 12 Pro yesterday, that's now sitting permanently in the stand in landscape mode. Um, I've done some fancy cabling so you can't see the cable coming out of the iPhone to keep it charged all the time. I use my iPod Touch as a light meter. So what I do is I run the little light detector app and as I move the you know the camera of the iPod Touch around my desk, I make sure that you know the the fifty percent, fifty five percent light source is all consistent. Um, so that's been working really well. It's been funny because the thing I keep forgetting about because I get people to edit the the videos once I'm finished, I keep forgetting to get a glass of water because I talk a lot on these videos because I go and as you can see, and then I've got to remember now for those of the people that can't see what I'm doing now is blah blah blah. And the last two of them, I've got into a coughing fit, which is fine when I'm editing my own audio podcast. But I thought, no. (laughs) And you try, and the worst thing is that the more you try hard not to cough, the itch in your back of your throat gets worse. Oh, Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's now, uh, that's my uh, my number one thing to remember is a glass of water so I don't start coughing and spluttering. But, um, no, it's been it's been really good. And the thing I didn't realize because I've done like I feel done I just did my fifth one yesterday. I didn't realise that when people do videos on Facebook and YouTube, they're supposed to be in landscape mode. And I've been doing them in portrait. because uh, to me that's easier. Because with Zoom, when you rotate Zoom into landscape mode, voiceover doesn't say, you know, charging port on left. It just does it without telling you anything about it. So that's been a bit fiddly. But no, it's been really enjoyable because now I've got my iPhone twelve Pro. That's now my daily driver phone, and um, there's been some people that want me to do demos of LiDAR, so that I'm, I'm now testing that out and doing other stuff. But no, this is um, the, the year of video podcasting me is going to be really exciting, so that's my, my, I guess, my main thing for the year now is hopefully doing about um, two video product demos per week, um, and hopefully I'll, I've got to stop saying... And today I'm talking about blah, blah, blah. And this is my favorite one today because every single time I play for a toy, I think, oh, this has got some really cool features. So <laughs> I'm going to have to remind people, put in some sort of copyright, guys. So something like every time David says it's his favorite thing, he really does mean at the time of his recording, he does mean it's his favorite thing because he just <laughs> found something new to play with. But anyway, so there you go. That's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. Where do people go to see these videos? The easiest way to do it is go to because it's on YouTube, and I find it, finding anything on YouTube is a, a pain in the bum. So um, I just go to if you just go to shop.visionaustralia.org, and there's a link there that says David's blog. Um, enter or click whatever you want to do on that, and then what it'll do is it'll, it'll bring up a list of under David's demos. It's just got the direct links there for the the YouTube demos. Um, so the last one that I just did was on the Mantis Q40, um, which I also shared with humanware also as well, which was quite nice. But no, it'll, it'll start playing it directly. So that's what I like about just having those links. So um, you don't have to worry about trying to find it on YouTube. You can just go to those links. It's The actual YouTube um, page is under Vision Australia Store. But I just say to people, look, just go to shopvisionaustralia.org, click on David's blog and just hit enter on whatever on one of the links you want to listen to much easier. Okay. Well, very cool. We'll be checking that out. I tend to go grab a YouTube video. If if there's a link like that and just rip the audio to uh, MP3. Do you know how much trouble Robert, I go to to do these video podcasts and then you turn around (laughs) and you just do the audio bit. I'm I'm shocked. Shocked. I say. (laughs) Yeah. And and I, I would imagine that, that, you know, you're experiencing quite a bit of, frustration and anger that that i would say something like that and i i I, I can't blame you but no i mean you you go to these trouble for blind people what do they do they just turn around and just don't appreciate it make it into an mp3 i tell you i know all that hard work down the drain (laughs) all right all right now i i I feel i feel very shamed i will no matter what i will watch the blasted thing on the website (laughs) just like the rest of the world does Unless I decide to rip it to an MP3, then I'll go ahead and do that. Well, for me, I I just want to share a couple of updates about the Mac. Uh, One, I did go ahead and and update my 2019 16-inch Intel-based MacBook Pro to Big Sur because we now have a working uh, super-duper backup program with Big Sur. 
But it's a very strange workaround. What you actually have to do is go back to, as the super duper developer says, a much stupider earlier version of super duper that doesn't get confused by some of the new things that are in Big Sur. So you have to downgrade your super duper um, and it works fine. The only issue, and he doesn't know if this is going to be able to be resolved, is right now the backup is perfectly fine, but it does not make a bootable backup. So you can't boot Mm. from the drive, from the backup. And he's not sure if that's even going to be possible in Big Sur. But we do have Super Duper uh, working for backups now. And uh, so I went ahead and did that upgrade. And the other thing I was a little concerned about doing was on the M1 uh, MacBook uh, Air that I have, or on all the M1 Macs, you have to do a little bit of configuring to get the Rogue Amoeba products like Audio Hijack and Sound Source and Loopback, those products that I love so much. You have to do a little bit of configuring to get them to work. And uh, part of that configuring means booting your computer uh, up into the to recovery mode. And I'd heard various people talk about some voiceover issues with recovery mode, but it it actually works just fine. Uh, in fact, when you hold down the power button um, and g- get the computer to boot up in recovery mode, uh, voiceover, at least for me, comes on automatically. Same for me. So there's I found n- that. Yeah, so there's there's no I, I didn't have any problem at all doing the doing the setup for the Rogue Amoeba stuff. I have a question for you about the Rogue Amoeba software. I had to go through all the recovery partition stuff for Audio Hijack, but if I were to buy and install Sound Source and or Loopback, would I have to go through the same process or having done that once and enabled all the kernel extensions and things I needed to would it just automatically work? It would automatically work. You just have to do it once. Oh, that's good. And have either of you gentlemen experienced battery drain issues with your AirPods Max? Because I must say that's the only problem that I'm having with them right now is the fact that I can charge them up, get them to 100%, um, and listen for however long I listen to whatever I'm listening to. And then I put them in the case. I come back maybe the next morning, maybe a day later even. And the battery has just drained significantly almost down to to nothing. And I'm not the only person having this issue. This is a a known issue with uh, a lot of users. It's not affecting everybody. It's affecting my husband, TJ, but not, um, not as consistently as it's affecting me. I have not had that issue. How about you, David? No, mine's been fine. Yeah, mind you, I've got a um, I've got a snazzy new case now, which I've got to let you know about. I got the uh, the Waterfields AirPods Max designed leather case. So that's got the little butterfly clip in it, where you put the AirPods Max in the leather case, and then you you know you put the two leather little wings up to force the AirPods Max air cups apart so they can charge. Oh, sorry, going to standby mode. Okay. Um, because my desk is so busy these days, I've got a little stand, like it's almost like a little a little table on top of my table, and I've got my AirPods Max down. I've got some other stuff on there as well, but that stuff never moves, and the charge is always exactly there. So the cable never moves, no nothing. So mm-hmm. um, you know it's always consistently in the same spot. And I tend to, I mean, I, I do get a bit paranoid about the charging because there's no, I can't tell if they're charging or not. So I tend to actually put them on, I come back about six hours later and just do a, a battery check via the notifications on my iPhone just to make sure mm-hmm. they're at 100%. So, but, yeah, I just I just wish there was an easier way of actually just double-checking. I, I wish they'd almost have like a little haptic engine in them that when you put power in them, I just go... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be easier. nice. So it would be, you know, for it's like, you know, for $895 Australian, couldn't you just put a little vibration motor in there and just make it vibrate? Something, Yeah. Alison, have you tried unpairing them and resetting them up again? You know, that is the one thing I have not tried, but I'm going to try that today. 
this evening. I would recommend that just do a factory reset and, um, mm-hmm. you know, set them up again. Vicky had Vicky's, um, AirPods max. She wasn't having battery drain, but her battery was not showing a full charge. I'm pretty oh. sure it was actually mm-hmm. fully charging because the light was turning green, but it was only mm-hmm. showing that it was uh, 70% charged. But oh. I, I I did a, a factory reset and repaired them and, and that problem completely went away. So you, you might oh, give that a try. Thank you. I will. Yeah, the, the only other problem with the AirPods Pro Max I wish would go away was anytime I switch between the Mac back to the iPhone, the AirPods Max actually reboot. And when I mean by reboot, they actually go dead. So you don't get any noise cancellation. Uh, no yeah. They're like dead earphones. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take them. If I, take, if I just reset them with like holding down the the digital crown and the, the transparency mode buttons, they'll reset. But or just take them on and off again, they'll reset again. But yeah, it doesn't go from doesn't happen when I go from iPhone to Mac, just Mac to iPhone. So huh. who knows? But yeah, it's still happening. So hopefully there's going to be hopefully future updates to check out little buggy things that are still happening. I, I, I still maintain, I don't think these things were hardware-wise, they might have been ready, but I don't think software-wise they were certainly ready to be released yeah. yet. Yeah. Well, I, I really wanted to spend uh, some time talking about braille last month was was i guess worldwide braille month worldwide braille day worldwide braille day i wanted to make it a month but it was only a day okay that's not that exciting but it was (laughs) it it was it, it it is the the month of of the the birth of louis braille who invented this six dot braille code when he was a teenager in france and uh, I, I actually just read um, the really great book that the National Braille Press published in, I believe, 2006 called A Touch of Genius, which is all about the life of Louis Braille. It's a great gift for anyone who reads print because it's, it's filled with some really great photographs for, of, of, of that uh, part of France and of, of Louis Braille and... Uh, you know, of different things that were happening at that time. He was born in 1809, so early to mid uh, 19th century. And it's also really well done in Braille because all all of the photographs are very nicely described. It has a whole bunch of letters that Louis Braille had written to various people during his life. So you, you really get quite a glimpse of what it was like during that time period for him to be alive and certainly for what he went through um, creating the Braille code and how challenging it was to to get it accepted and so forth. But, you know, um, fast forward to now, it's so interesting that everyone who studies it says that less and less Braille is being used. Fewer people are learning it. It's lost a, a lot of its popularity and yet we continue to see manufacturers of specialized technology come out with Braille devices, Braille displays. And there's been kind of an interesting thing happening where in the last few years, it, it, there's been a real emphasis on trying to get the cost of electronic Braille down. And that's been done in a couple ways, seems like one way is uh, a, 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 an invention of new ways to produce electronic Braille cells. And th- the leader in that arena, I would say, at this time is Orbit Research. And uh, they, they found a, a, a less expensive way to produce what's actually very good quality Braille on their displays. And they're just about to... Uh, start shipping their first 40-cell Braille display. And uh, Humanware has just come out with a couple of new displays. Uh, They've revamped their Brilliant line. And the American Printing House has a couple of new displays. And the thing that these all have in common is that they, they don't have all of the features of the traditional note taker. They have some capabilities along those lines, but they 
require you to use your phone or your computer to do the heavy lifting, lifting kind of stuff like web browsing or working with email, things like that, that, that have traditionally been done using a standalone note taker that has all those functions built in. But there are lots of cost and other problem kind of issues associated with trying to create a standalone note taker. What operating system do you build it on? What kind of uh, problems is, does whatever you choose introduce, things like that? How can you possibly create a, a note taker that that is kept up to date to the extent that, say, Safari is on the Mac and, and the iPhone and all that? So, a lot of interesting questions. So my my first question to you all is, what do you think about the the move to these hybrid devices that don't give you as many capabilities but that require you to get some of those capabilities by connecting via bluetooth or usb to another device personally i really like the hybrid note taker approach i've not really used a traditional note taker for quite a long time. And when I did, I found that I really didn't like the web browser. I didn't like the email client. Um, I didn't like a lot of those programs, which made it a little bit more smart. And I liked doing those things on my computer and especially my phone. I would say that I do the majority of my computing tasks now on my phone. And so being able to have Braille when I want or need it for those tasks is great. For me, the hybrid note taker approach is great for the types of activities that I'm involved in, you know, through my church or through um, work functions when I have to present I find it's very nice to either just read from a presentation like a PowerPoint or just have my very comprehensive notes that I can use for presenting right on the display itself as a, as a text or a Braille file. I, I have really kind of embraced the, the future of this hybrid note taker approach until recently, though, I hadn't really found a display which really met my needs. And I know we're going to talk about uh, the Mantis later, but I, I've i really found in the Mantis kind of that, that sweet spot between having, um, you know, a, what I need in terms of, in terms of uh, note-taking um, and performing those tasks very easily that I would need to do on my, on my phone, thanks to the Bluetooth keyboard. Yeah. Look, I, um, I, I prefer a hybrid role system as well, but for me, I've never really got into like a full blown braille note taker. I mean, I used to have a pack mate. Um, I think before that a long time, I used to have a braille light and so on, but to me, it's sort of, I prefer the heavy lifting to be done by, you know, the Mac, Windows, Android, or iOS, so iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. So all because that's the device that I carry around with me all the time. I've always got my iPhone on with me. Um, I've got different workstations set up in my house. So uh, like I was saying before, I've got my video one. I've got my podcasting audio podcasting station. I've got my little nook in the lounge room so I can monitor what my boys are doing on the Xbox and all that sort of cool stuff. But um, when it comes to quickly taking down notes or reference numbers or that sort of stuff, I just want to be able to quickly jump out of my brow display and just take some notes. So I don't need a full-blown note-taker in a Braille device. What I need is a few basic functions. So things like um, a basic note-taker to either read and write notes, 
Um, one thing that I wish the Mantis would have in it is an actual stopwatch because when I'm doing my videos or my audio podcasts, I need to time myself. So that's one little thing that I, I wish was in there, but, you know, firmware can be always updated. So for me, it's let's not – I'm not going to worry about full-blown Braille note-takers. I'm going to worry about hybrid ones that just get, give you enough to get – very specific tasks done mm-hmm. and then all your work is on your your main device because what i was finding even with the packmate days i I'd, I'd be writing some stuff on the train and i'd get to work and go oh god now i've got to transfer the stuff from the packmate mm-hmm. the, the windows computer and i'd get home and i've got to do the reverse and it just wasn't worth it whereas now with you know what i'm currently using now is that all the notes are done on my iphone on my ipad on my mac I'm just using either the Braille input keyboard or my QBraille or the, the Mantis Q40 QWERTY keyboard. Um, and it was nice just say because somebody just popped into me and they said, oh, you know, the the meeting IDs changed for Zoom. Um, we've got to change it change it to this in about 30 minutes. Can you log in? And I went, oh, okay. So I zipped back to the uh, note taker in the Mantis, took down, took down the ID number, went straight back onto my Mac and kept using the document with my braille display so nice. yeah, I, I just love the fact that you can have both mm-hmm. you know it's braille when you need it but your full access to your computing power when you also need it yeah well you're pointing out something that it just recently occurred to me because like you i you know grew up in electronic braille with more of the kind of note-taking devices where you did have to transfer whatever you wrote, either copy it from an SD card to your computer or transfer it in some way uh, to a US, you know, a, a thumb drive or something. You had to get it from one device to the other. But when when you have your Braille device connected to your Mac and someone shares a, a document that they want to talk about in a meeting, you can simply open that document in uh, text edit or pages or Microsoft Word or whatever you need to open it in on the Mac, but have it displayed right there on your Braille display if you want to be able to read it that way. And so that's a really nice combination one question though and one thing that people worry about is how difficult is it to get these devices to communicate with the heavy lifters with the computers with the phones and and all that and i personally am finding that it that either the usb or the bluetooth connectivity has gotten quite a bit better in these recent devices. It's still not as, quite as seamless as just being able to switch something on and 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 have it right there. Which of course you can do if you don't need to connect it because they do have they are hybrid. They do have a, a at least a notepad in them or something to take down a note. But mm-hmm. how are you all finding the hassle or not not so much hassle of connecting to to the to the devices where the where the most of the brains are are are, are being used to, to you know to browse the web or to, to read a document or whatever well i just got my mantis and i've mainly been using it in standalone mode because i got it for a very specific purpose that would be to be able to have and edit and read especially uh church lyrics for when I'm leading worship and to be able to make changes on the fly. Um, But the minimal amount of connecting to other devices that I have done in the month or so that I've had it has been kind of a piece of cake. I've not really had a lot of the issues that I've had in the past, especially with the Mac, um, trying to, to get it to work, especially over USB. I mean, literally I, I plugged the USB cable into uh, my Mac. I had to use the little adapter because, of course, now the Mac just has the USB-C. And I plugged the other USB-C end into the Mantis, and hey, presto, it just worked. There was Braille. That is the beauty of the Mac is all all the drivers are built in uh, to voiceover. And 
you plug them in and they just work. I've had great luck like you with the Mac, pretty good luck with iOS, although mm-hmm. um, unfortunately iOS is, is, is going through some bugs right now yes. with, with Braille, which is very unfortunate because it was it really rock solid, at least in my experience with Braille in 14.3, mm-hmm. not not so in 14.4. So let's hope those problems are resolved soon. But I, I found it more fiddly, more painful to try to connect uh, Braille devices to Windows-based um, computers. It always seems like I don't somehow have the, the driver installed that JAWS wants, or I don't have the driver that NV, NVDA needs, if that's what I'm using for my screen reader. Um, it, it seems like it's always problematic, and maybe I'm the only one, but I, I, I have I, found it much easier on the Mac. I agree. I mean, every time I look at Windows, it's, you've got to install the driver for drawers, so you've got to mm-hmm. make sure that NVDA has got the right one. The same with Narrator. I mean, it never just it never stops and I must say, I'm actually spot because what I've learned, particularly trying to be really productive all the time and not have to fight with your technology to get things done, I'm really lucky because as I've been updating my Braille displays, I've been keeping them because what I can do now is I've got my, where am I? I've got my Q Braille permanently linked up to my Mac via USB. So that just stays on my Mac. It doesn't go anywhere. So I don't have to like recable it or check Bluetooth or change the Bluetooth connection to something else. It's just dedicated to the Mac. I, I've i only been testing and playing with a Manus Q40, so unfortunately that's going to go back next week. Poor me. Um, but then also my Braille Sense U2 that um, the Q Braille basically replaced, that's permanently connected via Bluetooth to my iPhone. And because I and doing video podcasting, what I'm finding is what I do with the video podcast, I can turn the audio and the sound clicks off. And this is another thing about hybrid. I can switch between the live mode for the iPhone and back to my podcasting notes on the on the Braille Sense U2. So when I'm having to read out product features or dimensions that I can't remember all the time, <laughs> I can just quickly read that. And because the Braille's so quiet, nobody knows I'm actually using a Braille display or, nice. or anything else. It's just nice and quiet. And to me, having a, a stable setup, and it, and it sounds a bit flippant and a bit sort of, I don't know, David's got too many gadgets. But what I find is if I've got a stable setup and I don't change it, I, I find it stays fine. It's when I've got to start reconnecting stuff via Bluetooth or USB or I've got to change maybe screen windows on Windows or whatever else or I've got to change my Braille display between my Mac and my iPad and my iPhone. That's where things start falling apart. So, mm-hmm. you know, Robert, you mentioned the the, the bug with um, iOS 14.4. Now, that started off with the Q Braille with 14.3 coming out and then it was worse in 14.4. Um, that's also bled out to other Braille displays now. So I've had the same problem with my Q Braille. And I remember I was supposed to do a live video presentation um, two days ago. And I sat here for two and a half hours trying to get my Braille display working again. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know what, guys? I hate it when blind people sometimes turn around and say, I didn't get something done because my technology wasn't working. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell us another one. But sometimes it really comes down to the fact that you don't have any power, particularly when something's broken like that, to try and get things up and running. And I yeah. hate saying to people, my assistive technology has let me down. Sorry, I can't do this as effectively as I pro- probably could beforehand. Luckily, I was able to save my iPhone SE, and that's just stayed on whatever it was, the stable version of 14 with my um, my Braille Sense U2 now. But yeah, with my um, my iPhone 12 Pro, that's on 14.4, and it's just like even today, I went to try and reconnect it back to the Q Braille, and it won't. Um, I thought I just I you know at the moment I just don't need any less productivity, so I've gone back to my Orbit reader, and which seems to be fine for some odd reason. So that's um yeah that's the Braille ways in a bit of a nutshell for me at the moment. Well, that's really interesting because I also have a Q Braille. I'm curious, uh, you know, what, what version of the firmware you have in it. But um, 
my QBrail is, and I was just using it a while ago, is connecting connecting fine to my iPhone 12 Pro. It's working fine, except when I attempt to read a Kindle book. The interface has just lost its mind when it comes to Braille. It's skipping. It's skipping to the middle of pages. It's uh, leaving text out. That if you go back a line or two, you see the text that just jumped over, and that was not happening in fourteen point three. So this is something with fourteen point four. I'm having that kind of issue with the Kindle app but not having the connectivity issues that you're having. And we both have the cube rails. Yeah. And it gets to a point where you think, you know, I, I've, you know, I've done a, you, you do a hybrid reset on your braille display. You turn your, your phone on and off, you reset Bluetooth, you redo voiceover, you delete the Bluetooth connection and redo a new Bluetooth connection. Um, in the cube rail, you double check that you're using the right channel that you're using, you know, not the hybrid keyboard mode, but using pure, you know, the braille edge function, blah, blah, blah. And it's, just how many more times do I have to turn around three times, click my heels and think yeah. of can trying to get something running? Because you really shouldn't have to go to that much difficulty. I mean, mm-hmm. you almost feel like saying, geez, if a monitor manufacturer stuffed up their monitor, I know side of people will be, you know, quick smart be complaining about it and saying, well, that's it, mate, we'll go somewhere else. The problem is with the, um, the iPhone <laughs> um, and the Mac for that matter is that you can't go anywhere else. I mean, that's voiceover is the only screen reader happening on iOS and it's the only screen happening on the Mac. So when things don't work properly, it's not as if I can, you know, on Windows, I can go, oh, well, that's okay. I'll just switch over to Narrator or NVDA or JAWS or Supernova. I've got four choices. But, you know, when you're stuck with only one screen reader, when the screen reader lets you down as far as the Braille support goes, then mm. you're really behind. And I had a deaf-blind lady yesterday. Um, she uses her iPhone and her Braille display as a communication aid. And every time... It knocks her out, as in when you lock your phone and unlock it, the braille display doesn't reconnect. She has then to wait for her a sighted person to come back and fix it for her because mm. once the braille display goes, she can't use her iPhone anymore either. I mean, oh, besides communicating, man. it doesn't it doesn't work. So, you know, it really does impact people's lives quite dramatically. It's not that yeah. oh well, look, you know, poor you go and use something else. Well, some people can't go and use something else. No. That's the only you know means of communication. So, David, I think you're kind of where I'm at with this is, and and maybe you too, Allison, I really like this hybrid idea, and I'm really okay with my phone doing the heavy lifting when I need to interface it to do, and I want to do, you know, let's say web browsing in Braille. But for that all to be doable, it has to work. So whatever needs to be resolved in 14.4 to at least get us back to where we were in 14.3 really, really needs to be done. Like yesterday. Yeah, it it does. Yeah. I mean, it it really, I mean, like, you know, okay, me, I mean, I was, I could switch over to speech and and do it that way as well. But like I said, if you're deafblind, you don't have a choice. If it's only a screen read on the market, you're stuck. I love the fact now that particularly with the Mantis, because you've got that QWERTY keyboard and the Braille display, because I'm a, I mean, I still still have my original Perkins Braille. I mean, I like, you know, brailing in Braille, but I'm much more of a typist and just the- The pleasure of using a QWERTY keyboard with a Braille display, I've actually got the best of both worlds because, Mm -hmm. number one, I can type, quote, standard typing. And number two is I don't have, you know, I don't have my my computer keyboard sort of behind my Braille display that I've got to try and reach between the two of them all the time. You can just sit there quite comfortably and and, and do it all. But, yeah, I, I agree with your other point, Robert, the fact that, you know, it's almost like you're leaving yourself more vulnerable going for the hybrid mode rather than a full-blown note-taker, things like the, um, I don't know, the L-Braille or the inside one that's the Braille note-taker um, or or other devices, uh, for like the Braille note-touch. I mean, they're sort of, you know, fully functional, I guess, productivity devices. But when you've got something that basically gives you 
very basic stuff for basically taking notes and maybe timing, calculating and that sort of stuff. And then the heavy lifting is done on a device that's not currently connecting properly. You're leaving yourself very vulnerable. So it's almost like, and I know this is another reason why some people talk about the fact that, you know, Android and uh, Windows are so flexible because when something breaks on Windows or Android, at least you may have another shot at using some other assistive technology but when you run iOS or macOS, no, you don't have that flexibility. And particularly if you want to be productive in the workplace, it's a bit of a strain. But then again, we've also got the other issue on that browse support on Android has still got a way to go yet. Oh, yeah. The idea of the heavy lifting being done on a note taker and that working better is a nice idea. But certainly the 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 products that have gone the note takers that have attempted to make use of Android as their operating system, they have their own set of problems and issues when it comes to web browsing and, and handling email. That's not an ideal world either. And you talk Mm -hmm. about uh, the problem of not having a choice or not being able to do anything about it when your full blown note taker won't connect to a website until the the, the manufacturer releases a new version of the firmware that hopefully fixes that problem. You're just out of luck with that particular device as well. So, I mean, the the thing that's most upsetting to me, I think is that your, your word vulnerability is a great word. Braille using working with Braille these days, I, it, it, does seem like it, it makes it makes one too vulnerable. It almost feels like, in a way, maybe this is the wrong word, but but somehow it almost feels like it's a bit fragile. Like you mm-hmm. know, it, maybe it's going to work really well, and, and maybe it's not. But I don't know. For me, you know, working with having the good fortune to be able to work with speech, speech doesn't feel nearly as fragile to me yeah. as Braille does. It feels like with speech, you 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 can count on it. Um, yeah. Braille, you can count on it if you if you do some clever things like you are talking about, David, and leave the device plugged into your Mac. It's probably going to work consistently. But if you have to connect it to different devices, that may be when when there are more problems. And I did want to mention that you, you just did a really great podcast reviewing the Mantis on your Podbean yes. uh, podcast. And I would encourage anyone who really wants to dig in a bit more to the Mantis, which is a really interesting device with with the QWERTY keyboard. And I, it's cool that you all love it. That, that would not be for me because I prefer a Perkins-style Braille keyboard when I'm working with mm-hmm. a Braille device. But the beautiful thing is we have choices. Yes. People go, oh, well, you know, uh, blind people are not learning Braille and this and that and the other thing. And I almost like saying to people, can you stop talking about the fact that Braille's gone? Because it isn't. Um, no. People that use Braille use Braille. I mean, I've been using Braille now for, what's that now, 49 years. But I don't I don't go every, out every single day and go, do you know how wonderful Braille is? Because, you know, me as a blind person, I use Braille and I don't talk about speech either for that matter. I just get my job mm. done. So, yeah. I think it's one of those hidden things. It's almost like, well, most people in the world use a computer keyboard or use a mouse. They don't go on about the fact they use a computer keyboard or a mouse. They mm. just get their job done. So I think this myth about, you know, Braille's getting less and less. And as you said, Robert, why the goodness would then manufacturers keep producing Braille devices if they yeah. weren't making money out of it? I mean, it's not a charity. They sell them. They make money. Um, and the other thing, too, is that, People have choice now. I, I love the fact that, you know, if you want a Q Braille or you want a Braille display or you want a Mantis, you've got choices. Mm-hmm. And you can also get down to the nitty-gritty level. So when I did the Mantis Q40 demo on the podcast, I did mention the fact that very weirdly, if you use the the navigation buttons on the front of the actual display right in the front for the, the next and previous and the panning buttons, they make a little bit more noise than if you're using the QWERTY keyboard. But the nice thing about that is that is that you've got choice even on just the device yourself. So when I'm recording on a radio program, I'll often get the producer on the radio program saying, can you stop the the click, click, click sound I can hear using your keyboard? And it's like, well, no, I'm not I'm using a braille display. Um, because I can't hear the braille refresh. What they can actually hear is, is me pressing the actual keys on the braille display. Mm-hmm. So even when you can get down that, that, that 
down to that nitty-gritty level actually becomes really exciting. And I just find it, it's brilliant. And just another comment you made about the uh, Orbit Reader being a, a low-cost device. The only problem I find with the Orbit Re- uh, Reader 20, and I'm presuming it's probably going to be the same with the Orbit Rider 40, is the sound of the Braille display because I can't <laughs> use yeah. it for a radio program. I can't use it when I'm podcasting. I've got mine right in front of me and have a listen to this. This is me going forward line by line. Oh, no. That's what kept imagine, me from getting one too. Yeah, you can imagine that in a in a in a podcast, um, people would say, can, "Can you put that rain rain type music device down?" Because it sounds like it's right. raining hail it or something. It does. Um, but you know, but as a as a basic note taker, it's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the device that I sometimes say to people: Look, if you just want a a basic standby Braille note taker that, okay, it allows you to read BRF files. You can use it for, for taking notes in and then it will connect quite happily to Windows, Android, Mac and your and your iPhone. Then, you know, in Australian dollars, spend 600 bucks on this one and you'll, you'll, you'll never go backwards. Because this is what, like I said on the program, this is what I've had to use when my Braille and my, the Mantis demo failed. I went, I'll just go back and use my Orbit Reader 20. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's, it still gives me access. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great point. I, I get it about the noise, although I, I somehow don't think I'm as bothered by the noise as some people are. But, yeah, it wouldn't be great for a, a radio show or a, a podcast. That's definitely true. Uh, and also, you know, the, the, the Orbit Reader products are interesting in that they don't they don't have any – Wi-Fi connectivity at all. They don't have Wi-Fi radios. They only have Bluetooth mm-hmm. and uh, USB. Um, at least with the with the new forty that's coming out. But you know the beauty of, of it is that's simpler for a lot of people. Um, you, you, you can just you know download your your books from Bookshare or from National. Braille Press or Vision Australia Library, thank you. Or Vision Australia <laughs> Library, which is which probably would be the real place you want to get them, especially if you're in Australia. Um, but but you know you 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 can just download them and copy them on there, and it's really quite a nice reading mm. device if you can get past the noise. I mean, the quality mm-hmm. of the Braille is, is is very very good. It's it's yeah. plenty fast um, for for reading and refreshing we'll see about the 40 i'm expecting it to be equal equally as fast and yes it it does it does make the noise um orbit research says they could eliminate the noise if they had the research and development funds that it would take to 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 change to modify the technology but Mm -hmm. but when you start doing those things you have to charge more for the devices because you have to pay for that development funding somehow. And right now, you know, this, this 40 cell device that they've got starting to ship next week is a $1,500 device, half the cost of any other 40 cell Braille device or close to half the cost. I believe the Mantis is what about 2,500 yeah, right around twenty five hundred US. Four thousand in Australia, yeah. Uh-huh. We, always, we always cost more in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that actually brings me to a funny story. I was, I was looking for it online because it, oh. it was on back order through APH. Now I eventually waited patiently, and it came. Oh. But when I was feeling impatient, I I found it through. I believe it was Humanware but I didn't realize I was in the Australian store. Oh, so I'm yeah. reading along and I see 4,000. I'm like, yeah. $4,000? <laughs> what happened? Oh, that's the one. Yep. I know. And I like to joke on uh, RNIV Connect when I'm doing a show with Stephen and Robin. It's like, yeah, well, in Australian dollars, it probably costs a million dollars. It's like, yeah, it's about right. <laughs> Does the Mantis have... Bluetooth five and and is it able to connect to the five gigahertz band? It connects to my Eero routers just fine. Now they are the ones that 
combine the 2.4 and the five. So I never really know which one I'm connected to, but I've never had a problem. Yeah. I've just, I find some of the older stuff like the Victor Reddit streams and that sort of stuff don't like five, the five G stuff. So I've, I've got my router permanently set on um, 2.4. So I haven't worried about it, but the nice thing I do like about the Mantis as opposed to the orbit, which irritates me. I don't know if it's changed now Robert, with the 40, but you have to have a Windows computer to update it. You can't do it via Mac. And the nice thing about the Mantis is that you can update the Mantis on its own. You don't yep. actually need um, a Windows computer to update it. So, um, and that's the, and the, I don't know if it's changed, but I know for the brilliant ones you used to use um, a Windows a Windows machine as well. So that's the other thing I wish as we move forward with these devices. I mean, why on earth, if they've still got an SD card in them, why not put just a, a firmware file like you can do with the Victor Redis stream, put a firmware file on the SD card or whatever the memory card is or a USB stick, let the machine go into reboot, set up mode, and then off you go. I mean, there shouldn't be any reason these days why you have to be a primitive human being and reconnect back to your Windows or your, your DOS 3.1 computer. <laughs> you can do that with your Orbit Reader. You have to up, update the, the bootloader uh, firmware once then you can load the, the the new firmware from then on straight from the sd card that's good yeah the other thing that the um i know we're switching around a little bit but it's just popped into my mind the thing i love about the orbit reader 20 and i i'm gonna do my age here because i i'm sure you're you're a, a lot younger than i am robert but um <laughs> that's been quite um but the orbit reader 20 reminds me of the braille and speak because the Braille and Speak is, was just a, a, a six-input Perkins-style keyboard and a space bar, and it spoke to you, and that's all it did. You just used it for taking notes. It didn't do anything else. That's all it did. And I know later on we had the Braille Lite 18 and the Braille Lite 40, but I just thought in the basic level, the Orbit Reader 20 is absolutely brilliant because it's only designed to be a note-taker and act as a Braille display. It doesn't do anything else fa fancy. That's it. And it's also incredibly sturdy. I mean, it, it, that thing is going to be around a while. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I probably said this on the uh, in a UK show, and apparently I had to take it out, but I did say it was built like an Australian dunny. And apparently huh. they don't like talking about dunnies <laughs> or toilets or anything else in the, in the United Kingdom because they're, they're a bit more polished apparently. So they took that out apparently. But, yeah, no, look, it's really sturdy. I mean, even when you tap it, I mean, that really just sounds really oh, solid. Oh, yeah, it's built like a tank. Yeah, and, I, you know, I've got this one. My Orbit Reader 20 just sits next to me on my desk here. Because um, mm -hmm. if I don't have any access to anything else at the moment, it's my it's just my quick note-taker. And, and like you, Robert, if you're outside a podcast or doing a video or whatever else, I mean, who cares how loud the, loud the braille is? I mean, my yeah. Perkins braille would be a lot louder anyway. Oh, God, help me, I'm out back, braille. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine braille display, and I just, you know, you've – and like I keep saying, you've got choice, but, you know, really, if I had a choice now and somebody said, what would be your ultimate Braille display at the moment in time, I'd have to say the Mantis Q40. And that's not yeah. to say I wish it would do more things because I always want technology to do more things. So at the moment, as far as I understand it, Alison, it still doesn't connect to Android still. Um, as far as I know, it still does not. I don't yeah. have an Android device even to, to yeah. test it out. <gasps> You mean you've got a Surface Pro, but you don't have an Android device? Shame I, on you. I, I know. Shame on me. Oh, well, I'll have to give you a minus A now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've still got my Samsung S10 that I that's basically used for turning my coffee machine on and off and using it because it's got a touchscreen. Um, <laughs> so I probably should. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even bother checking it with the this loan man. Just thought it's probably not going to work anyway. And mm -hmm. the other thing too, if you've found. I, when I was testing it late, you know, probably about September last year, October last year, um, from APH itself, I was complaining with the fact that, and it's not that bad, but when you've got to go through the menus all the time to switch between, you know, your Mac and your iPhone and your iPad and your blah, 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 have they put a shortcut key now in there so you can do, you know, I don't know, Alt-1, Alt-2, Alt-3 to switch between them because even when i was doing the demo last week i still couldn't find any keyboard shortcut to quickly switch between your your active devices no no it's a bit there's yeah. still not yeah so there you go and and you know for us in australia they've got you know 
NFB newsline on there and they've got Bookshare, which is good because we use Bookshare in Australia. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, Vision Australia, for example, will talk to APH and Humor and say, you know, we can put, you know, the Vision Australia library on there. So if you are a Braille mm-hmm. user in particular, then you can, you know, download your, your BRF books and, and read them on, and read them on the Braille display. That'd be really excellent. But no, it's a just that combination of the the, the typewriter style keyboard and the, the Braille display is just absolutely I just brilliant. love it. Oh, I love it so much. My favorite Braille device at the moment is the Q Braille. Um, and it's kind of interesting because it, it doesn't have a QWERTY keyboard with, with the typing keys, but it has QWERTY keys for the function keys mm-hmm. and for the arrow keys and page up, page down, insert home, delete keys, which is kind of interesting because with it, you can actually pair it as a Braille display and pair it as a Bluetooth keyboard with an iOS device or a Mac and put it in what they call hybrid mode. And you can have the best of both worlds in a sense. You can have enough QWERTY keys to control your your device, but you can also have the, the Braille Perkins keys to enter mm-hmm. information. Of course, I know you can do that on the Mantis as well by switching it into Braille input mode. But the QBrail does have the ability to switch between devices using key commands. So you don't have to go to a menu to do mm-hmm. it do that on the QBrail, which which is something, you know, that you were you were wondering about about the Mantis. Also Humanware has two new devices, the Brilliant BI twenty and the Brilliant BI forty. They just came out a couple weeks ago. And and they're, I think they're interesting devices, the hybrid kind of idea with a version of their Keysoft, they call it Keysoft Lite now, but they're Keysoft applications that have been on their note takers before, but much, much stripped down for this new Brilliant series. They still want you to, you still have to use your phone or a computer to do the web browsing and heavy lifting stuff. But mm-hmm. but I, I think that they're priced at a computer competitive price point i've got some some quibbles with why they left off the sd card slot on the 40 and they failed to put the latest bluetooth in the 20 so Hmm. come on people let's 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 uh let's make these equivalent just give you more cells on one or the other but they didn't do that so so that's kind of interesting but it's kind of an exciting time for Braille um, because of these devices that are out. And it is a, a situation where more people can afford to to get into Braille devices. And that's one reason I wanted us to spend some time talking about it because there are options and possibilities now. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's other things to have a bit of a think about. Just going back to your... your, your your comments about the Q-Braille too. I mean, I've got mine right in front of me as well here. Um, the thing about the Q-Braille, either in hybrid mode or keyboard mode, it doesn't doesn't seem to honour the function key. So I thought, you know, your traditional Mac users, we press F8 to start and stop media playing, that sort of stuff. Um, and I'm also finding on the Mantis Q40, those function keys are not honoured on the Mac either. Um, so even though it does say, you know, F1, F2, F3, when you press them, they're the sequence that comes out of that key when you press it might, must not be the right code to actually invoke that particular function on the Mac. And the other thing when you're thinking about the um, the Braille is when you normally plug in a QWERTY keyboard into a Mac, it wants you to press the key to the right left, the key to the right of the left shift key and then the key to the left of the right shift key. So <laughs> it knows what type of keyboard you are, but then you've also got the ability to be able to say it's a 101 or 102 style keyboard. But the other weird thing with the Mantis, and I don't know why they did this and surely the goodness they could have got around this but on the and i did point this out on my podcast on the the mantis from going from the far left to the space bar you've got control function exclamation mark windows key or option and then your commander alt key which means if you're a voiceover user on your mac or your ios your you know your iphone upper touch or ipad you've got to do two fingers apart because the the control key, and you've got the function key, and you've got the option key, which is the control and option your two VA commands. Because 
not all the time, and most of the time it doesn't work. Your caps lock key does not work as an alternative voiceover command. And, you know, I just thought, surely to goodness, guys, when you're developing the keyboard and your main primary thing is probably looking at not just JAWS on Windows, but using it as a browser display on iOS. Yeah. Uh, why didn't you pay more attention to what the hardware keyboard was doing? Um, because on the Mac, yes, I can re-modify and I can change those control modifier keys around, but you can't do that on an iOS device. So I was sitting there thinking, geez, you had a really great hardware opportunity here as far as the keyboard, physical keyboard is concerned, and you've let the side down a little bit. You haven't sort of had a good think about the implications of the keyboard layout. And, um, yeah, that sort of let me down a little bit. But it's almost like with any of this stuff, whether you're using a screen reader, a braille display, a computer, whether it's Windows 1 or a Mac, there's, there's always just seems to be something different on the other side of the fence that you have to sometimes jump over and go and use it. Then you jump back to your own side of the fence and keep right. going. Right. <laughs> there's just one machine that does everything, unfortunately. Nope. I'm, yeah, for I'm sure. There, there are all those, all those trade-offs and and workarounds. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if if you if Australia has a different um, firmware for the Braille, but check your firmware. And it, if if it's not the November uh, version, you might want to update it because the function keys and all are working a lot better in the oh. late in the latest firmware. Oh. I'm not saying they're perfect, but 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 it's a lot better. Okay, so what's your email address again? Because you might get an okay, Robert, you said you promised, you indicated. That's okay. <laughs> I won't hold you to it. You, you can hold me responsible. I don't <laughs> mind. Everybody else does. Do they? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm actually checking the firmware as we speak. I don't think it's actually that recent. Uh, no, it isn't. Okay, good point. I'll update the firmware now. <laughs> I think you'll be happier with it if, if you do. I certainly was a lot happier after updating the firmware. Well, Alison, I, I, I know that you have um, another thing to get to here soon. At least I think that's what you said. So um, what, what, any comments that you want to make about this whole Braille situation? Just kind of curious what your take on it all is. I just think that we're in one of those periods where exciting things are happening. We just kind of have to hold on and go through some of the growing pains. And I think that when we come out on the other side of this thing, I would not go so far as to predict that there won't be traditional note takers, but I think that the hybrid models will be much more prevalent and going back just quickly to the notion of schools and Braille being in schools and children learning Braille. I think that for kids, for students, this hybrid approach is ultimately going to be much better because it forces them to get out of the little note taker sandbox and learn the underlying technology that has to often do the heavy lifting. So I think that in that way, it makes the future look very bright. Yeah, and let's get those kids learning Braille. I think it gives you lots of advantages that you don't have if you just rely on speech for everything. It's interesting the fact, you know, why has Lego gone to the whole the the manufacture of Lego bricks for schools now that are being distributed worldwide to to schools? Was going up. Why would a major company like Lego produce Lego bricks to encourage children exactly. and more inclusive in schoolrooms to play and you know, teach other kids and everybody else Braille. So I think it's yeah. actually getting um, Vision Australia. We're the major distributor here in Australia, and I'm getting a look at uh, one of the kits next week. So there's apparently 304 pieces in the whole Lego set, so it's not small. Nice. Uh, but it's fantastic. So I might even do a podcast on it, funny enough. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that'd be I, get fun. With, I get to play with Lego. Yay! Yay! <laughs> You know, Louis Braille had a brilliant idea with this six-dot code because it is so flexible and so, in a way, so simple. Uh, you know, it, we it's more complicated than a lot of people would like because we have the, the different Braille codes and the contractions and the, the things that you have to know and remember. Uh, I wish it, wish there was a way to make it even simpler. But the basic idea of the the way the six dots make 
up all the the numbers, letters, punctuations it, it is really quite brilliant when when you when you stop and think about it, and it's really something that once you have access to it, once you know it, because of the fact that now it's so easy to download electronic books from Bookshare, from Amazon, from from anywhere almost any 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 books that that voiceover can read they can be displayed on a braille display so your yep. your library is literally limitless for the first time ever for what you can read in braille so i just think it's exciting um i i suspect we'll be talking about it a bit more again uh, I'll be getting the the Orbit Reader forty in the next week or so, and uh, I want to. I'll probably want to at least make a few comments about it once I've had a little experience with it. But I really thank you all for spending some time with me on Braille because it, it, there's a lot going on out there with it, and I just wanted people, our, our listeners, to have a chance to to hear a little bit about it. So that's about all I got. Anything else from either of you? I was just want to say that uh, I'm probably going to get my hands on both the 20 and the 40 Bryant probably the week after next. Because um, that's part of my main job to play off all the new stuff. Oh, sorry. Evaluate, not play huh. all the new stuff that's coming out. <laughs> so uh, I'll be doing a podcast and a video podcast on that as well. So for people that want to watch it, you can watch it. Or if you like Robert, you can listen to the audio. So that'll be <laughs> that should be fantastic. Um, and the other thing, really cool you thing, can, I don't you know, can actually I'm watch the audio if you want, but it, but you'll have to tell me how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, the quiet ones you've got to watch, apparently. Um, and just a final thing, um, can I say on my key ring, I have actually got a teaching braille cube. So it's got the six dots on it in a, it's almost like a Rubik's cube, but it makes Ooh. it bright. So when you want to fiddle, you can just go and click around and get the Braille dots on this little Braille teaching cube. So it's for, for children to learn how to use Braille in a fun way with a little teaching cube that you pull on your key ring. But yeah, I was at the, I was at the, um, I got my hair cut this morning because I'm doing some video and filming next week. And so while she was cutting my hair, I was going, I said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just playing with my fidget cube. Don't worry about it. So there you go. That's awesome. Stop talking now. (laughs) Where do you you get a fidget cube? I want one now. Vision Australia shop sells the fidget fidget cube. They're quite, they're really cute. Yeah, they're really cute. They're only about 20 bucks, wherever it is. So very cool. This is Robert, one of the tech doctors. And from my side, I will say so long for now. And this is Allison saying, stay safe, everyone, and talk to you next time. And as I normally say on all my podcasts and my video podcast, exclamation mark, is thank you for listening or for your attention and bye for now.